Hello everybody and happy holidays. I am recording this episode on December 22nd, 2020. I hope you're keeping really well. And this episode, I wanted to do something a bit more fun for Christmas, but still teach you something valuable. So many of you know that I am a huge fan of chocolate. So not just the healthy stuff. I just love all chocolate. Like it's insane. I love all chocolate except ginger chocolate and Turkish delight. They're not my vibe at all. But otherwise I'm addicted to chocolate and the more expensive the better. So in this episode I hope to teach you a lot about the history of chocolate and then we're going to wrap up with some fun facts about chocolate and then of course some health benefits of chocolate. So welcome to Find Your Model Health, the official podcast for those looking to optimize their long-term health and weight goals and understand how their body works. I am your host. I am Shemaine Linney. I'm a fitness and nutrition expert, biohacker and certified iridologist. And I'm very, very happy to have you back with me on this very snowy Tuesday afternoon. If you're in Alberta or a lot of Canada, you will be experiencing about three foot of snow right now. So I literally cannot leave my house. Even if I wanted to, I can't. I'm just waiting for the maintenance guys to come along and shovel some of the snow away. Okay, so we're going to go on and learn about chocolate. And I love chocolate every day of the year, but I definitely consume more chocolate at this time of the year. So chocolate, when we look at its original name, um, chocolate is called cacao. A lot of the time when I type it or write it, my clients or followers don't understand how to pronounce it because a lot of us were taught to pronounce it cocoa or cocoa. But it's actually cacao, or its scientific name, Theobroma cacao, which means food of the gods. Of course it does. The gods clearly created chocolate. So cacao comes from beans from the cacao tree that predominantly grows in South America. And what's unusual about this tree is that the pods containing the cacao beans, they grow out of the trunk of the tree rather than off the branches like other trees. And these pods, they look kind of like rugby balls and they're full of big chunky beans and pulp. So cacao is really difficult to grow and it it will only grow within a certain range of the equator. So it doesn't like anything below 16 degrees Celsius. So it definitely would not like Canada at this time of the year. Um, it's quite a fussy tree. When we look at cacao and we look at the benefits later, we're generally talking about raw chocolate pretty much 100% chocolate and 50% of that chocolate or the cacao bean is fat and when this fat is separated from the cacao it's known as cacao butter when you get nibs what people would 
call cacao nibs, you basically are getting the broken fragments or pieces of the beans themselves. So when we look at how do we separate um, the powder from the bean or how do we get cacao powder from the bean, we see beans are squished and then roasted or dehydrated. And then we have what we know as cacao powder. Now, historians say chocolate goes back at least three to 5,000 BC. That's insane. And we can find evidence of cacao or chocolate back in Ecuadorian civilizations. And of course, the Mayans who really are considered the first people in history that we are aware of that consume chocolate. And the Mayans, they were at their peak or civilization around 250 to 850 millennial. If you think about that, one, that was a very, very long time ago, but they were also around for a very, very long time. So nearly 200 years ago, and we know a little bit about how they consumed chocolate. Generally, the Mayans consumed chocolate in drink form, and they are said to have added chili to give it kind of a kick and this is where in some nations we still will see cacao added to um, chili itself so chili with meat and beans we'll also see then chili added to some chocolate bars so this is where that flavoring originated from and then we might see the mayans add some honey or um, some vanilla and of course chocolate was strangely addictive so we've got the caffeine properties there and also the theobroma which can be addictive in itself um pretty much they were addicted to chocolate like many of us are addicted now it's believed they also added cacao to porridge like substances along with bananas and whatever fruits and nuts they had too there are suggestions that the Mayans, in order to make their drink, they would pour the drink between two vessels. Um, so one of the vessels or containers would be poured from a great height. And as it fell down into the second vessel or a bowl below, it would act like a waterfall and cause a foam to be created. So they had this foamy, chocolatey drink. In the Madrid Codex, which is an illustrated graphic text of the pre-conquest of the Mayans, um, one of this book is one of the few known survivors of the mass book burnings by the Spanish clergy during the 16th century. So it's one of the few graphic texts that are left that kind of discuss Mayan culture. Well, it pretty much says that the Mayans, they considered chocolate to be 
as valuable as an actual physical currency. And there's evidence that they were using the beans as currency. Um, and there is also some archaeological evidence that fake beans were being made by somebody somewhere at this time too. So we had the Mayans considered chocolate to be a very valuable commodity. Um, they considered it to be the food of the gods and we see in some historical research that they would offer chocolate to the gods um, as payment of way or quality of life or to the afterlife and then we also see that they even had some sneaky people back then who were making counterfeit or fake chocolate so that is quite interesting in my opinion so as I mentioned, the cacao tree is very fussy about where it will and will not grow. So generally it likes these warm, humid areas. And there's only one time that it's ever been really successfully grown outside of these regions around the equator. And that was in England, in York, in 1932, in the Round Trees factory. Um, and this is where the workers or the scientists at this factory said, hey, we've pretty much played around with some pineapples. We think we can grow a cacao tree. So out of their hothouse, they managed to grow one pod. And they took the beans of this one pod and they made a little chocolate bar and they gave it to Princess Elizabeth who is now Queen Elizabeth II. So she's the only person in the world ever to have 100% British chocolate. That's insane. So after the Mayans, we see the Aztecs and chocolate was consumed as an alternative to alcohol in Aztec society. So for some reason, I don't feel it would have the same kick or effect nowadays um, on us as we are used to stronger more potent alcohol substances but for them back in the Aztec times they may have got this little buzz off eating a lot of very raw chocolate um, so this is going to be your 100% dark chocolate and most of us are only eating two maybe four squares of this very strong chocolate a day but if you think of the Aztecs they would have been consuming larger quantities than we would be so they're getting more of a buzz off the caffeine and the theobroma and the polyphenols within that chocolate um, but there has been some development in the history of chocolate in the last couple of years. For many years, it was believed that the Aztecs drank cacao um, and that it was only for their elite. However, there has been some archaeological evidence in Utah, which is nowhere near where the Aztecs were. Um, so the evidence shows that about 800 years ago some peasant farmers who lived in pit dwellings they were importing cacao and consuming it and trading with it so this would mean that everything historians and archaeological archaeologists thought about cacao it may have been wrong 
Um, so this is something that archaeologists are still arguing about. But if it's true, it means that perhaps we were wrong and perhaps it wasn't just for the elite or the royals. And it's possible that poorer people had access to cacao too. So after the Aztecs, we saw the Spanish, of course, conquered the Aztecs in 1519. And it's said that the Spanish conquistador was the first to bring chocolate back to Spain. Whether or not this is true is still unknown. But then we, saw, we see chocolate show up again in Spain in the 1530s. Um, but then it comes more mainstream in 1545. So we have this span kind of over 20, 25 years. And we know the king of Spain, he was presented with chocolate by Mayan and Aztec priests who brought it over from their homeland. So this is where we see chocolate start to enter into Europe. And then it spreads through Europe and gets into court. And then Louis XIV of France, um, he starts to get his hands and chocolate starts to become popularized in France. There are some that say that the French were the originals to make chocolate bars, but there's nothing confirming that for sure right now maybe i'm wrong but when i was doing the research on this i couldn't find anything specific so we see chocolate spreads through europe we're not sure how it spreads um maybe through the monks and the priesthoods and as trade and gifts to the royals um but we do know the monks in europe used to argue whether or not cacao or chocolate was a drink or a food and then in 1662 pope alexander the seventh declared that chocolate is not a food to me that would be very good news if it wasn't so calorie dense too if my body recognized chocolate as not being a food and that i could eat as much as i wanted to without the consequences then I would agree with the Pope but unfortunately that's not the case but that was a different time as well that we lived in and they definitely I don't think were counting calories or were too concerned about their weight back then so then in the 18th century in Italy they started putting chocolate into lasagna now if you're from Ireland or England you'll be thinking of that yummy ice cream cake we used to get called Viennetta and for many of us youngsters back in Ireland Viennetta would be somewhat of a birthday cake I remember choosing it for my birthday cake a couple of times so that was an ice cream dessert that was kind of layered of dark chocolate ice cream dark chocolate ice cream like a lasagna would um, but that's not literally what the Italians were doing they were actually adding chocolate to their pasta so they were having chocolate pasta maybe it was nice I would assume it would kind of be like a soggy chocolate bread but I'm not about to try it so then we see the leap from how the ancients were consuming chocolate to it being consumed as a treat or sweets or candy. 
And that happened about 150 years ago in England in the 1660s, where King Charles, he was worried about chocolate because it was seen as a drink for the rebels and not something for the prominent people of the land or the fine ladies as it was in France and Spain. But it seems that it was more for the rebels rather than a drink for the intellectuals um, and somewhat of the political people. There is some records of chocolate fortified in this time with wine. Um, if you're a follower of mine or a client of mine, you will have seen me share a picture of a chocolate wine that you can get here in Airdrie. Oh my God, it's delicious. It's a real treat. And I mean that because it's not organic, unfortunately. It's not biodynamic, but it tastes divine. And it's a treat in a sense that because it's not organic or biodynamic, I feel the effects of it, unlike the other wines. So I do feel the extra sulfites and the chemicals. But I do have a ball downstairs to have over Christmas. Um, I'll just take some extra vitamin C and activated charcoal and offset some of the hangover effects. Anyway, I digress. So then we see the original Quakers get involved. And I, when I was doing my research, I was like, who are the Quakers? Aren't they the people that made porridge or oats so i looked at the quakers and the quakers are members of a group with christian roots that began in england in the 1650s their formal title of their movement is the society of friends or the religious society of france and they were very much associated with different manufacturing different products in the line of groceries and stuff and the food Quakers are possibly most associated with the origin of chocolate in the UK. In the 18th and early 19th centuries, British Quakers founded a whole range of businesses, manufacturing everything from groceries to shoes to biscuits, and then they got into the chocolate business and that turned out to be a big success for them because they already had the trust of the people. If you were a Quaker, you were considered to be someone of integrity and you were trustworthy. So people trusted that the products they were getting from you were good quality. So the Quakers founded the confectionery companies that we know now starting with Cadbury's of Birmingham, Roundtree's of York, like Roundtree's wine gums and fruit pastilles, um, and even Randoms, if you know them, my kids love them, and Fry's of Bristol. So during the Victorian era, the popularity of chocolate catapulted the three Quaker confectioners into public prominence. Um, they experimented with new flavors and styles and also adopted innovative approaches which we'll look at now in a minute. So George and Richard Cadbury, they chose to build houses and parks and centers in Bourneville, which you may recognize as a chocolate name, 
So Bourneville and Birmingham, so that their workers had comfortable accommodation away from the city smog and they could focus on making really good quality products without distractions. So since all of that, then obviously multinational, multi-international business giants have taken over those original Quaker confectionery companies. We see Nestle took over Round Trees in the 1980s, Cadbury's took over Fries, only to be bought up by Mondelez International um, in 2010. So for many of us the origin origins of these companies are part of our quakers story and say a lot about our values i was not brought up on mondelez so i don't really have a high opinion of them but i know a lot of people here in canada and the states do um so when we go back to the creation of these big companies by quaker we see that Fries of Bristol, they paired up with Cornelius and Conrad Van Outen to figure out a way how to take cacao nibs and squish them into powder, therefore removing the cacao butter. So these Dutch guys, the Van Outens, they come along with a press. And they press all the fat out of the cacao, which leaves them with the powder, which is where we hear the term dutching when it comes to chocolate. So this is the separation of the powder and that cacao butter. Then we saw the fries of Bristol add sugar to it and the chocolate bar was born. So milk and sugar in the chocolate bar was born. This was 1847 where the chocolate or the sweets that we know today were born and the evolution of chocolate boxes so the fries they figured out a way of putting a fondant center um, into the middle of their chocolates where they could then make those chocolate boxes and the fries actually created the cream egg even though Cadbury's have their name on it it was initially created by fries um, so they would come up with fondants like strawberry flavored chocolates and truffles and this is where we see that evolution of chocolate and the chocolate boxes in the 18 and 1900s so then Cadbury's had to figure out a way to try and keep up with the fries because they were dominating the market. And as a way for Cadbury's to get a foot ahead in the game, they go to the British government and request that everybody lists their ingredients on their packaging. And their only ingredients were cacao and some sugars. So the government tell round trees and fries and others they have to list their ingredients. So this gives Cadbury's the monopoly on the market. And not like round trees and fries and the other companies back then were adding in like preservatives and pesticides and stuff. But they just had more ingredients because they were playing around with flavoring and variety and all a lot more than Cadbury's were so when Cadbury's listed their ingredients they literally had two or three ingredients 
Whereas round trees and fries, they had a couple more because they were again messing around with texture and flavors. So it wasn't that they were necessarily bad. It's just that Cadbury's looked like their product was purer and people back then most likely didn't have a great understanding of nutrition and certain ingredients. So this then gave Cadbury's the monopoly on the market. Then we see the Swiss chocolatier Daniel Peter come on the scene. So we start to see the evolution of Swiss chocolate and Daniel Peter, he was a neighbor of Henry Nestle. He was one of the first chocolatiers to make milk chocolate in 1875 by adding powdered milk to the chocolate. So that's Daniel Peter. Then Mr. Nestle, he invented milk powder. So they were neighbors and they were somewhat working together. And then we have Rudolf Lindt, who came on the scene around that era too. So many of these names have stuck around and you'll recognize them. So Rudolf Lindt, he founded the Lindt Chocolate Factory and invented the conching machine and other processes to improve the quality of chocolate. Who knew that chocolate had so much background? So um, raw chocolate is acidic and Rudolf Lindt saw that by stirring it for hours and hours, you can get some of those acids to evaporate. And alongside him, there was Daniel Peter, um, who was credited with creating milk chocolate, which of course is dairy milk as we know it and that was in 1905 so basically we have dairy milk and all its yumminess around for about 116 years now so those three prominent names working i wouldn't say hand in hand but in close proximity from 1875 right through to the start of the 1900s and these guys really were the leaders in progressing how we made and looked at chocolate then we see in 1937 white chocolate arrives and it was invented this is crazy when I found this out I was like that's crazy so white chocolate arrived and it was invented as medicine in Switzerland in the 1930s for children in hospital who had lost a lot of weight due to illness they wanted to give them some sort of nutritious food and they were looking towards milk because back then milk would have been cleaner than the milk we have now and more nutritious but kids wouldn't drink it so they added cacao butter to it to make it more palatable and appealing and of course announced to them they were actually adding a lot more nutrition to the milk as well by adding the butter then in 1933 we see an american chocolatier come on the scene and his name was forrest mars and he and his father they come up with a lot of different bars that we're all familiar with so the mars bar milky way in 1935 and maltesers in 1936 
when we look at other launches around that time of bars that we all know and love, we see Round Trees. They launched the Kit Kat in 1935 and the Aero and Smarties in 1937. So it's crazy how most of these are still around right now and we still love and appreciate them. But then back to the Mars family, there was some sort of family feud there within the business. <coughs> Excuse me. So they split the business and we see them start to make the same products but on different continents so in the americas and then back there in britain and europe and we see we start to see those name changes and if you've never been to europe or you haven't grown up there you may not recognize the name changes but i certainly do so we see name changes like um our Milky Way so in Ireland and England we have the Milky Way and that is known as the three musketeers here but they're the same thing um, also the line bar to us is the big bite to Americans and there's lots of others as well there's like Armoro and Starbar and uh, then the O Henry here and there's all different ones so it's not just those two but what's crazy around the Kit Kat is this bit of history that I shared with my clients a few days ago is at the start of World War II, Roundtrees couldn't keep making Kit Kats because there was obviously milk shortages. So they started making just plain chocolate Kit Kats and they would give a lot of that to the soldiers as well. And then they got into making ammunition. But the people of that time, they started pairing this plain chocolate with Rivita to make their own type of Kit Kat until Roundtree started making the real Kit Kat again. And apparently this Rivita chocolate Kit Kat was very, very popular back then. Um, I don't think I'll ever try it, but that's super interesting that there's even a place for chocolate in history and around the wars so pretty much after that the rest is history we grew up then with our favorite chocolate bars the chocolate bars that we would find in our groceries or corner shops corner stores but i wanted to finish this up with giving you some fun facts about chocolate um, so the average serving of milk chocolate has about the same amount of caffeine as a cup of decaf coffee and if you follow me you'll know that decaf coffee has still about four percent of the caffeine that uh, your average coffee cup would have so there's still a little bit of caffeine in your decaf the cacao tree or the theobroma tree it's actually considered a fruit tree so like many fruits it grows a seed or a bean so it's a fruit the first evidence of chocolate drinking was with the mines as we learned but we didn't learn that in some instances they would mix blood with their chocolate drink. That's crazy but not appealing. 
Chocolate contains two doses of cacao butter, so the natural amount from the bean, plus an extra dollop of cream or whatever a manufacturer adds to it for creaminess. This is why too much chocolate can be high in fat. The French celebrate April Fool's Day with chocolate-shaped fish or poisson d'avril. Cacao and dark chocolate has been studied more than any other food for its health benefits. So let's do two more fun facts. Dark chocolate contains up to two to three times more flavanol-rich cacao solids than milk chocolate, which leads us nicely into our health benefits. And cacao and dark chocolate have more antioxidant activity polyphenols and flavanols than any other fruits tested in one study, which included blueberries and acai berries, or acai berries, depending on how you pronounce it. So chocolate is quite an amazing food, has a very grand history, very interesting history. It's been around for thousands of years, but it's only recently that we're really starting to understand the benefits. Um, Many years ago, the Royal Society of Chemistry, they published a book on the history of chocolate as a medicine. But right now, there's so much more research going into cacao and everything it can do for us. So we're seeing right now a lot of the benefits um, surrounding cancer and angiogenesis and stem cell production. We see cacao is very polyphenol rich and the benefits of polyphenol go everywhere from genetic expression right to gut health, right to brain health. We see that chocolate its benefits have a big impact on blood pressure um cholesterol or hdl or ldl and one thing we must clear up is when we're talking about chocolate having health benefits we're not talking about milk chocolate unfortunately or white chocolate we're talking about that cacao that raw chocolate so generally that 80 to 100 percent dark chocolate that you see in the stores 100 always been the best in my opinion because pretty much your only ingredients there are going to be the cacao powder and the cacao butter. So you're pretty much getting the purest type of chocolate you can. This is where we're starting to see all of those benefits. Well, not starting, but this is where we see all of these benefits for chocolate. Um, So there's a lot to do with chocolate, especially dark chocolate, raw, organic. We've got the polyphenols for genetics, expression, stem cell production, circulation, blood pressure. Just there's just an abundance. And although if you've ever had dark chocolate, like real dark chocolate, it is quite bitter so that's is some people would say it's astringent that's those polyphenols it's like green tea the more bitter it is the better it is because that's the polyphenols and that's where we see those medicinal properties and benefits arise but you do get used to it i can guarantee you that you do get used to it and you can get some really nice 
100% dark chocolates that are blended with essential oils and other things vanilla pods like you can get some really great dark chocolate right now and it might take you a little bit of time to adapt to the taste but you definitely will I promise that from someone that used to be highly addicted to junk food and I was very overweight and I never would have imagined I would eat the stuff that I eat now. Um, my taste buds definitely changed and I learned to absolutely love dark chocolate. Like it's a staple in my diet. So not to ramble on too much. I hope you found this podcast super interesting and that I didn't drag on too much. Um, lots in here and it's purely for your enjoyment. I hope you all have a really happy, relaxing, joyful Christmas with your family and your loved ones. And I see you all in the new year where hopefully things are brighter and more positive for most of us. 2020 sure has been a tough year. And if anything, at least for now, we still have chocolate to get us through these hard times. So happy Christmas, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode and as always, please share with anyone you think it may interest or benefit and I will see you guys or chat to you guys on the flip side as they say in 2021. Stay safe, stay merry and stay healthy. Bye bye.